0: Hashtag National Joe Day. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me as always on Twitter at RedRock underscore b We're going to look back over Tuesday's eight games in the NBA. We're going to preview the eight games in the NBA for Wednesday. We're going to shine the player spotlight on Ivan Rab. Of the Memphis Grizzlies, a young guy who hasn't seen a huge amount of playing time this year, but a, a team that obviously needs as much young talent as they can get. We'll talk about him a little bit later on in the show. So, Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. All right, don't forget to check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network as well. NBA shows, NFL shows, some Major League Baseball shows uh, starting up now. Also, um, I believe Locked On Chiefs either today or tomorrow is having on uh, Willie Rofe. Uh, as a guest on their podcast. So, you guys, uh, if you are NFL fans, you'll be well aware of who Willie Rofe is. So go and check out Locked On Chiefs with, uh, with Willie Rofe coming up this week. Let's talk about the NBA though now. And we're going to start by looking at the monstrous line of the night. It's where we always go first. And Jesus, I, again, Anthony Davis, 36 and 14, four assists, two steals, six blocks. 15 of 24 from the field, 6 of 6 from the free throw line, and of course, the obligatory ankle tweak for tone. It looked bad, he was down, but of course he came back in and, uh, and went bananas in his 39 minutes. He has not scored under 20 points since the game against the Kings on the 7th of March when he hurt himself. Prior to that, the last time that he'd scored under, uh, under 20 points was back on the 9th of February where he scored 14 against the Sixers on 19 shots. He has been Obviously an animal. He has had multiple blocks in the past five games, including a five block, a four block, and a six block game. He is crushing at the moment the number one player over almost every time frame you can find apart from the entire season where he is just behind Jim Harden. But with about nine games to go, he could really overtake Harden for that number one spot in fantasy. Has been ludicrous, averaging over 30 points over the last 40 games. 11.6 11.6 rebounds, almost three blocks, elite percentages, almost a three a game, almost two steals per game. The numbers are absolutely mind-boggling from Anthony Davis. He's won about 50,000 monstrous lines of the night. We know how good he is. He is hopefully, if you've got him on your team, leading you or has led you to a fantasy championship, and he will probably get a few more of these monstrous lines of the night before the season is done. The waiver wire line of the night. It wasn't a great night for waiver wire production. Pat Mills was the best of the bunch, 11-3-6 for Patty. He hit three triples. He had three steals. He was four of seven from the field. He has not been all that impressive this season. Yeah, he's shooting 37% from three, but for a fantasy point of view, he is barely inside the top 200. Now, he had a real opportunity to begin this season with no Kawhi Leonard, and no Tone Parker around. He had that opportunity to establish himself as a consistent top 120 guy. And he's been that in stretches before, but was not able to do it. And even with the increased role as a starter recently playing 33 minutes per game over the last seven, he's still barely inside the top 150. At this point, you look at him, maybe he gives you three and a half assists per game. Maybe that's sort of what he's been doing. He gives you two triples, but that's realistically about it from Mill. So far from a must-own guy, but... At this point in the season, it, it really is all about what stats do I need? What stats are these guys giving me? Is it going to help me in my matchup or is it going to be a complete waste of time? So Mills could be a guy that does uh, that does help out. The Spurs do play again on Thursday when there are only five games on, so a little bit of value there for him. But their next game after that is on Sunday when pretty much every team in the NBA is in action. So you might be able to get him in there for Thursday and then cut bait after that. The young gun of the night goes to Dennis Smith Jr., 19-1-6 for Smitty. Three triples, six of 12 from the field, and he hit all four of his free throws. He only played 25 minutes because both of these coaches and teams were trying their best to try and lose as much as possible. The Mavericks were unsuccessful in that, uh, in that quest, and they ended up winning the game. Smith has been quite impressive recently. Over his last four games, since returning, or in between, sorry, return with an ankle injury, he has shot the ball much better than we've seen from him over over the course of the season. He's at 46% from the field. He's a top 80 player. He's averaging 20 points per game with over five assists and half a steal per game. I do think that in a punt field goal, situation. He is going to be close to a top 50 guy next year. If he can get that field goal percentage up, he should comfortably be a top 100 player. Many people see Smith's ranking on Yahoo and go, man, Dennis Smith, why is he ranked 240th? Uh Most of the time, Yahoo's default ranks is based on total value. And it's also based on full nine category value. So it's taking into account the turnovers that he's had this year, which have been a decent negative, plus also the big negative he has provided in field goal percentage. But you know that I don't care about turnovers. And in head-to-head leagues, you can build around one deficiency pretty comfortably by punting that area. And Smith uh, has been over the last three months inside the top one hundred and twenty even if you are counting his sub 400 field goal percentage, which again has really bumped up recently. I don't think he's going to stick as a 46% shooter for the rest of this season or next season. But it has been an encouraging sign that he looks more in control. The usage is up. He's getting assists. He's hitting threes. He's scoring. He's a decent rebounder, and he's okay at steals and all those things. Yeah, they really do portend to a strong future for Smith, a guy who I was really high on coming into this draft, and he's starting to put it together. And I think next season, but particularly year three, we're going to see probably top thirty-five, top forty type numbers out of Den Smith Jr. The other night. Nick Miritich, two and four, one of six from the field. Absolutely nothing else in terms of contributions from Miritich. He is. Outside the top 220 over the last two weeks, outside the top 140 over the last month, I've said it plenty of times on this podcast, I think you can move on from Miritic. The minutes are down. We're talking under 26 minutes over the last month, which when he was playing in Chicago, that was fine because the shots were going in and he was taking lots lots of them and the numbers were really stacking up. But in these last 16 games for the Pelicans, 37% from the field, 29% from three. And it just goes to show you how well he was actually playing in Chicago because his season-long numbers are at 43 and 37 despite this prolonged and significant downturn in New Orleans. He just doesn't have the same role. The shots aren't falling in the same way. And there is no reason, I believe, to be holding on to Nick Miritich in 10, 12, and honestly, probably even 14-team leagues at this point. You're better off relegating him to a 16-team situation or a stream, hey, man, maybe I'll get some points, maybe I'll get some boards. He's just not doing it enough, and I am one of the biggest Nikola Miritich fans out there. But it's just not happening for him, and you need to move on if you haven't done so already. Let's get in and talk about the action from uh, from Tuesday. There were eight games across the NBA, so hopefully we've got a little bit to talk about of some interesting fantasy things here. The first game, the Spurs and the Wizards, not a lot to talk about in this one, to be honest, because it was a real blowout. Yes, the final margin was only 10, but the Wizards had this one in control early, so everyone's minutes were all over the place. The biggest takeaway, I guess, is the injury to LaMarcus Aldridge. He went out with a knee injury. He will have an MRI on Wednesday morning. You would have to think that there's a significant risk of him missing at least a game here, uh, and that could be devastating to your fantasy championships, uh, and it could also be devastating to the Spurs and their, uh, their tenuous hold on a playoff spot they are, yeah, falling away at the moment. Now, if he misses, Pauga Sol started the second half and had 10 and 6. Power would become a 12-team option. You get Davis Bertans, who had eight points with two triples, becoming a three-point streamer. And perhaps in deeper leagues, Joffrey Laverne, who had nine and five in his 16 minutes. Uh, the Spurs won't go away from that small lineup that they're using, I don't believe. So do we Powell and you'll get... um and you get Joffrey and Bertans in there at that center position with those wings like Aldridge, sorry, Aldridge, like Anderson, Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gay playing at the four there. Dan Green didn't do a huge amount. Kyle Anderson was pretty disappointing in his 19 minutes. But as I said, Pop sort of sat the starters when this game was out of control. I don't think that Anderson's a must-own 12-team league guy. Um, his numbers are just so pedestrian, really helps in certain areas. But that's not going to be for everyone, therefore not a must-own. Onto the Wizards. Of course, their minutes were reduced because they had this one in control. Porter had 14, 2, and 3. He also had the Richie Benno. Two for two, two, two. But only played 23 minutes. No one on this team got to 30 minutes. So really hard to to look into this and, and evaluate a huge amount. Markeith Morris was excellent. 15 points. Only 17 minutes because he got 4,000 that time. Satoransky had 7, 8, and 4, and he's got value for at least the rest of this week, I would imagine, but very little to take out of looking at this game from a Wizards or perhaps a Spurs point of view, uh, save for the LaMarcus Aldridge injury. The next game was a lot closer to the Denver Nuggets and the Toronto Raptors. Jokic was ridiculous. In fact, he was pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Yeah, he was. He had 29, 16 and 8. Three triples, two steals, and a block. That is an absolute monster from Jokic, while Paulie Millsap dropped in 20 points with a triple one. On 75% shooting, it also looked like he hurt his wrist, but he bounced back fine from that. We also had a Trey Lyles cameo. He dropped in 13 points with three triples. He's a guy that's been in and out of the rotation, so very little to look at there. Farton Will Barton, the inconsistency rises again. 28% shooting, 15 shots, 10 points, two assists. Mike Malone uh, threw out a... uh, I was going to say thinly veiled uh, criticism. It wasn't all that thinly veiled if you didn't know who he was talking about when he said we needed to get the ball into Jokic's hands more and not and not have blokes come up and just take up uh take bad pull-up threes in transition. Um yeah, if you didn't think he was talking about Barton then uh other players involved too, but but Barton is the and it's why one of the reasons why I just hate watching him as a player. Just piss poor decision making, thinking he is the best player on the court at all times when very very rarely that is the case. Baby Neck played 33 minutes and had seven, four, and three. Wilson Chandler, that is, for the uninitiated. He is uh not a guy that you should be holding on to in twelve team as well. Uh the blue arrow had fifteen, four, and three. Nice you know, feeling of the box score, but the shooting was uh was pretty substandard from Jamal Murray in this game. On to the Raptors, Lowry was pretty strong, especially the four out-of-nowhere blocks. In fact, three players on the Raptors had four blocks, and one had three. Babin had three, while Jonas Valanciunas, Serge Ibaka, and Kyle Lowry had four each. I talked about it maybe last week, the fact that Serge Ibaka wasn't blocking any shots. This was a nice uh, change there, and he, he played a lot better than what he has in the past. I still don't think that we need to be looking at a as a 100% anchor, must-own sort of a player. Valentunas does what he does 23 minutes, 15 and 7 and 4 blocks, just beasting numbers. And you, again, you just really want 30 minutes, and it's never going to happen. 12 and 8 for Pertle. He got 4 fouls in the first 6 minutes, but still somehow played another 12 minutes and accumulated only 1... Uh, oh, sorry, didn't get any more fouls in that time. Casey stuck with him. That did enable Bebe to get s- 7 minutes, though, initially when Pertle was in that foul troll, but Jakob played really well, and you know how high I am on him for Dynasty, while vet Freddie Van Vliet had 15, 1, and 4, another strong performance. But the Raptors, they have one more game left this week. It's not until the weekend, so yeah while that's an impressive performance from Pirtle and Valentunas and De Barker and Van Vliet and Lowry and de Rosen with three days of inactivity from that roster spot, one game left for the week, you have to weigh up whether holding on to these guys. If this is your last week last week of your league, you might need to drop them and that's going to happen on an individual basis, but in I'd say the vast majority of cases, these guys are droppable now. Um, just because, you know, one game in the next four days with three get, three day break is just, uh, it's not tenable because you'll get swamped by, uh, by other players streaming in, streaming in guys and, and getting, you yeah, know, three, four more games while, and while Lowry is good, he's probably not worth four, three or four games worth of a waiver wire player. Let's move on to the next game. We're talking the Chicago Bulls and the Houston Rockets. Another thirty-point victory for the Rockets. This time without Jim Harden and without Clint Capella. Let's talk Bulls. Larry Markin was back. He he shot well. Twenty-two four and two with two triples, but only the twenty-eight minutes. I think he's a borderline guy. I don't think that he is 100% a must own guy. Any, he hurt his elbow in this game. Any sort of signs of issues, they'll probably, yeah, look to sit him out of, uh, games. And he's not as well-rounded a performer as what we saw at the beginning of the season, but still a guy that you want to own in a lot of cases. Chris Felizio was out of the second half with a back issue. So, uh, Punch Bob Bloke started the second half. Bob Portis, he had 11 and 8 with two steals while Noah Vonleh stepped up as well. 10 and 12 in 26 minutes for Vonleh. He is an a really good rebound streamer when he gets this extra opportunity Denzel the hammer Valentine was a uh, dealing with a knee problem, but he played he played twenty nine minutes and he did what he does and that's fill up categories twelve four and three two threes, and two steals. For as long as Levine and Dunn are out, I think the hammer has 12-team value, but he is not a guy that you have to hold on to under every circumstance. This was a shit one from campaign. You know, I've been a big supporter of him. Only one of seven shooting for two points. The eight rebounds, three assists, and one steal is nice. But again, if you want to get someone in for tomorrow and you have you have to drop someone, your pain is a guy that you drop in that scenario. Noaba started. He played 30 minutes while the sexy boy, Sean Kilpatrick, 12 points in 18 minutes for Sean Kilpatrick. This is what he does. He shoots. He's going to play that Antonio Blakeney role, and he's probably going to play the Justin Holiday role, if we're being honest, and just jack up shots, which in a desperation Hail Mary type situation, shit, I need points. Maybe the sexy boy could be your guy. Justin Holiday continues to be just one of the most inefficient players in the NBA. Five points in 24 minutes for him. On to the Rockets. Yeah, they crushed really, really easy stuff for them. Eric Gordon was brilliant. 31 and 8, while Trevor Reza had 21, 6 and 2 with 4 triples and 4 steals. But of course, Harden and Capella returning next game throw all that into, into a, I guess a state of confusion. They are playing the Sun, so you could have someone rest. Maybe it's Eric Gordon that sits out. Uh, maybe it's PJ Tucker. It could be some guys sitting out that next game or at the very least minimal minutes for a lot of these players as D'Antoni is preparing the team for the playoffs. Gerald Green had 14, seven and three. And while, you know, with everyone healthy, he's probably not a guy that's necessarily an every night rotation player. But again, against the Suns, Extra opportunity could be coming his way. This was this much of a blowout that RJ Hunter played at 10 minutes. And yes, he plays for Houston again. I swear many of you won't know that. And Joe Chi played eight minutes. Big Joey. Ryan Anderson had three points in his 23 minutes. Just showing that the, the couple of the big games that he had after returning from the injury are fluky. And you shouldn't be owning him. The Portland Trail Blazers and the New Orleans Pelicans. Dame Lillard was great. 42 minutes 41 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals. And those 4 steals, man, you get 4 steals from Dame Lillard, that's a rarity and it's awesome when it happens. The problem is is that now he's out. On Wednesday, he is uh his misses is uh giving birth to their child on Wednesday, so he will miss that game against Memphis. Obviously, that's the best game that he could miss, although Memphis did just beat Minnesota. But in championship week for a lot of people, it's, uh, it's far from ideal. You can't blame this on resting or tanking or anything like that, but it's clearly not great timing. The other news that came out for the, uh, Blazers is that Mo Harkless, he missed this game with a sore knee. And then just before this game ended, they said he is going to have to undergo arthroscopic surgery on that knee. And, uh, Mo Harkless just really giving us some great insight into the condition says, Oh, the timeline is, uh, 10 days to six weeks. Cool. So a fairly large range, but on the low end of that timetable, the 10 days, that's the end of your regular season. So Mo Harkless, while he was shooting like the greatest player of all time, shout out to Trey Burke. Mo Harkless was not going to keep up that 65% shooting. But now he's definitely not worth owning. So get rid of him anywhere that you own him. Evan Turner played 36 minutes and had 14 and 6. So he is going to be an interesting guy, especially for Wednesday. But even the rest of the season, an out-of-position assist guy. The guy, of course, you want to look at here is Shabazz Napier, though. Great value for Wednesday. And perhaps an increased role with Mo Dunn for the rest of the year. Now, he wasn't great here, but we saw how elite he was. And I'm talking legitimately elite when Lillard was out over Christmas. You're going to get at least one of those games for Shabazz on Wednesday, so pay attention there. Yusuf Nurkic also turning it around. A really subpar year for him, majority of the year, but crushing at the moment, 21-10 and with four blocks. Shout out to Myersland for his seven seconds as well. On the Pelicans, no Rondo with a wrist issue, so Drew Holiday played at point guard. He had 21, 11, and 11. That's a triple-double for you keeping score at home. Two blocks, and it continues his excellent season. It was Ian Clark that started, not DeAndre Liggins. Thank God, because he is horrendous. Clark O is a guy that has had legitimately a perfect game against the Blazers before you and know, not missing a single shot. I think he might've done it twice or at least pretty close. It wasn't the case here. 36% shooting for eight points in 29 minutes. As long as Rondo is out, if Clark gets starts, he's a point, uh, point and three point streaming guy, but far from a must own. Well, one Moore's value increases. Moore had 11-3 with seven assists, more ball handling responsibilities for him with... um uh with Rondo out and that can be a, a short-term 12-team league scenario. Check Diallo only the 15 minutes five and seven. He'd been excellent. We we know that. But uh with Miritich back, he's not going to get quite enough minutes to be close to that 12 team league player. The Cleveland Cavaliers, Jesus, uh bad, bad loss for them against the Heat, making it harder for them to get that three seed. Perhaps looking at the four now depends on the sixes, of course. Uh Kevin Love played seven minutes, got a smack in the mouth and did not return they said he was probable to return and they reevaluated him at half time and with what turns out to be concussion-like symptoms now at this point the time of me recording he is not in the concussion protocol he got whacked in the tooth his front tooth was subluxed so a little bit out of position I don't believe he lost the tooth but then they said later on oh he was exhibiting some concussion-like symptoms we'll see what happens for him tomorrow morning and then uh, we'll see whether he needs to go into the concussion protocol. And, of course, if he goes into the concussion protocol, he won't be playing on Wednesday. The Cavs have a back-to-back. Jeff Green started over Larry Nance. Just nonsense. Five points in 31 minutes for Greeny. Four rebounds with two steals, while Nance only got 18 minutes, grabbed his 10 rebounds, and continues to foul like a crazy person. I said this the other day, I don't think that Nance is a 12-team league guy with Green with Thompson, with Love all back. But if Kevin Love misses Wednesday's game, then maybe you could get some value there for Nancy. Jose Calderon continues to just be actually good, and it's it's quite strange. 11 points with two assists in 26 minutes. It's just deeper league stuff, but uh, he's keeping minutes away from Georgie Hill and for the plumber J.R. Smith, who was dreadful once more, uh, Rocket Rodney, Hood just really capping all those guys' values. Kyle Corver sat this one out again as he is still with his family. LeBron James. Not his best game, but 18-6-7 and is is uh is still pretty okay, but definitely not his best. The Miami Heat, they were without Hassan White. They were also without Bam Adebayo. So Jordy Mickey started. He had seven and five with a steal and a block in 23 minutes. Mickey's been always one of those guys that I've liked. His ability to block shots and, and rebound and score highly, highly efficiently has been intriguing, but never really been able to stay on the court. I don't see a huge amount happening here. While Kelly Linick had some foul trouble, but still, man, his his run here has been excellent is he a better player than Hassan Whiteside or is he a better player for this Heat team than Hassan Whiteside? Oh, you could make a pretty compelling argument that that's the case. 19-5-3 three with three steals for a linic well, Jim Johnson, he did it. He made us proud. Reminiscent of the run that Johnson put on at the end of last season where he carried many teams to fantasy glory. 15, 9, and 5, 2 steals and 3 blocks in 33 minutes. Now, when Bam and Hassan come back, what do they do with Johnson's minutes? But he had, he's looked lost all season until about the last 3 weeks where he is absolutely crushing. And of course, him and Olinick are must own players at this point. Josh Richardson had 15 and 7 with 2 steals and a block. Josh Richardson is on waiver wise. I guarantee you he is on at least one person listening to this podcast. Maybe that's underestimating it. He is on a waiver wire somewhere. Have a look, because I know that Dwayne Wade's around, but Richardson's game's not predicated on usage. It's assists, it's steals, it's it's ridiculous shot blocking. He hits some threes. He can do it in multiple categories. Now, Wado had his four blocks, 12 points with four assists, so that's nice production from Dwayne, but he is more of a streamer than anything else, while the iron shoulder only needed to play 29 minutes and had ten three and five. The next game we take a look at, The Dallas Mavericks and the Sacramento Kings, no Dorian Finney-Smith, no Nerlens Noel, no Dwight Powell, no J.J. Barea. Finney-Smith, Noel, and Powell will all be back on Wednesday, and that means that Salah Mejri is unlikely to play, while Barea will also miss on Wednesday. So we had a situation where Aaron Harrison was starting. 25 minutes for Aza, 10-5, and a steal, a block, two triples. He replaced Finney-Smith, so with Dorian back on Wednesday, almost almost definitely, then you're not going to get much there out of As. The Pencil had 25 and 6, while Maxi Kleber made the start for Dwight Powell and had 6 and 9 with a steal and a block. But again, Powell should be back next game. It's also a great opportunity to st- stream Nerlens in for uh, Wednesday's action. Salah Mejri will likely sit. Dirk should play also, but you're going to get some uh, an ability for Nerlens to play 20-odd minutes and rack up those blocks and steals. Very little else to really talk about with this Mavericks team. Yogi Ferrell, he was he was shit out. He, he's just not that good. It's simple as that. He's what he is. He's a ninth player in a average rotation. Nine points for Yogi with two triples, three assists, and two steals. So the production's not horrible, but it's not 12 team. On to the Sacramento Kings. Costa Cufos went bananas. 15 and seven in 14 minutes in the first half. And Dave Yeager then said, you know what? Enough of this bullshit and didn't play him for the rest of the game. Now... We talk about tanking and I understand the rules of tanking. I've got no problem with the process. I've got issues with the way that Sacramento's handled things for the last 15 years, but in particular the way that they haven't developed guys this year and, and stupid coaching decisions and constant, you know, dicking around of players. But one thing I do want to mention here is we hear, you know, discourse about tanking and you can have whatever thought process you want on it. I don't care. But when you hear it brought out, Oh, it's organizations. It's management. Players and coaches, they never want to lose. Bullshit. That is 100% a lie. Now, the players, I don't think the players are ever going out there and intentionally losing or intentionally playing poorly. I don't think that's the case. But if you're trying to tell me that Dave Yeager is not intentionally losing this game... By having your big man who was on fire and a serviceable big man in Costa Cufos and just not playing him in the second half because he was playing too well, then you're a liar. If you're telling me that Mike Budenholzer isn't deliberately trying to lose games because Dennis Schroeder plays too well, and then you sit him for the entire, you know, last quarter and part of the third quarter, you're lying. Dennis Smith was playing too well, he played just 25 minutes here. Again, it is a lie. So, I, I, I don't like these you know coach, coaches aren't playing. They're not going out there to lose. Yes, they are. Yes, and they might be doing it on instruction, but their moves that they are making are based on losing. Sometimes there's development parts of all this, but a lot of that is bullshit because, again, Jaeger has shown no inclination to develop guys at all. And you can talk development all you want. Vince Carter's played in four consecutive games. That's not development in the slightest. If you want to develop, you take Vince out of the rotation and you play Bruno Caboclo. Simple. But don't tell me that the coaches aren't deliberately doing things to lose because they are. Simple as that. Budrick, 14-2-2 two two with two steals in, in 25 minutes. Him, Bogdan, Darian Fox, with the way these minutes are going around, Really hard to, to have them as must own guys. I, I just don't see it. Well, Corley Stein had 13 and 6 with 4 steals, but still only 25 minutes. Zach Randolph was absent from the injury report, but taken out of the starting lineup so Scal could start and then he didn't play. So he rested this game. Lebissier had 19 and 8. As long as Randolph is out, Scal is worth owning. But again, Talk about Jaeger, what he'll do in the next game when Randolph plays. He'll start Randolph and Scal will play 24 minutes instead of 30 minutes, which again is completely not what you need to be doing to develop these guys. I could be wrong. Maybe Randolph doesn't play again and Scal starts every game. Pretty sure I'm not, but we'll see how that works out. If Randolph is done or if he's out, then Scal has value. But if he plays 23 minutes a night, then he doesn't. You could easily make an argument that in your ten or twelve team league that there is not one single Sacramento Kings player owned, and I wouldn't think it's egregious. I wouldn't. I'd probably think it's correct. The next game we take a look at the Indiana Pacers and the Golden State Warriors. Big win for the Pacers on the road against an undermanned Warriors. Oladipo did sprain his ankle late, stayed in the game, but we want to check on that. He had twenty four six and six. Boyan had seventeen points. His uh, hot shooting returned in this one. While Thaddeus Young had seventeen and ten. I said that Thaddeus' value might be dipping when Demontus Sabonis returned. Sabonis returned, but then what happened is Trevor Booker went out early on. So in a very similar situation with Thad Young. Thad Young's minutes has to, had to push up to the 34 mark. Miles Turner invisible again, 5-3 and three with two blocks. At least he gave you two blocks, but man... His season has been frustrating while well, Daz Collison only the 24 minutes in this one, while well, 27 went to Corey Joseph. Colson is so far a superior player, in my opinion, on court, but definitely for fantasy, that it is frustrating when we see these sort of things go down. You probably have to consider him a borderline guy as well at this point in the year. Now, the Warriors, we can go into... at in depth of how well Geordie Bell played or how well Kevon Looney played. But the thing is that Draymond Green and Kevin Durant are almost 100% going to be back for the next game. So the value of those guys, you know, Pat McCaw, it's just not going to be there. Not that McCaw did much, but you do have to give props to the way that Looney has played. Eight and 11 in 28 minutes, a steal and two blocks. His shot blocking has been extraordinary. And I'm really interested. I'm getting a lot of um like a positive tingling and not... Not, not downstairs, just, just in my fantasy senses going off about what Kev, Kevon Looney could potentially develop into. I've seen, I've seen quite a bit over these last 20 games. Not saying he's ever going to be a star, but he's providing some really, really interesting value that's probably going to dissipate here over the next couple. Geordie Bell had four blocks and seven boards in his 23 minutes, but those minutes will dip while Uncle P. Nick Young maybe have one more game of relevance until Clay returns as well. Quinny Cook, who'd been shooting at a crazy rate, didn't in this one. 11 points in 17 shots, but still seven assists, still a three. And I think that he should be owned and even held on to even through streaming. I'm sure you're going to have worse guys on your roster than Cookie. Um, and yeah, really, look, his value is not going because look, maybe he takes less shots, but his ability to get assists, his three-point contributions, it'll still be there. But it will dip a little when Durant and Clay return. The last game of the night, the Milwaukee Bucks, bad loss for them. They move back to the eighth seed now against the Clippers. Yarni had 26, 9, and 7 with five blocks. Chrissy Middleton had 22, and 7 with two blocks. Eric Bledsoe had 14, 9, and 6 with two steals. But Jabari Parker was shitful. Two points on one of 12 shooting, not a 12-team guy. Not Clearly not a 10-team guy. Get rid of him in twelve-team leagues. Also, shout out to Brandon Streethunger Jennings, who had twelve minutes for. Actually, he almost Tony Snell. He had the twelve trillion. Shout out to him. While Snell only played the seven minutes, I got called out by um, freezing cold takes on Twitter. That account, old takes exposed during last year's free agency because when the uh, when the Bulls did the Michael Carter Williams for Tony Snell trade, I said yeah, Snell shithouse uh, and. Carter Williams is a significantly better player, and that looked obviously ridiculous last year, especially when Snell signed that four-year $48 million deal. Tone Snell's terrible. He had a decent few games last year, maybe. He was significantly overrated. He's really bad. He's lost his starting job to Jason Terry. He is at significant danger of falling out of the rotation completely when Daly and Broggo return. He's bad. As for Jace... 32 minutes for 44-year-old Jason Terry. That's an exaggeration. I think he's 39. Um 10 points, two triples, five steals. Let's just ignore that and go, that's not happening again. But getting threes out of Terry while he's playing 30 minutes a night is, is a real possibility. While the Muppet played 34 minutes with Thon McCurr out, John Henson, eight and eight with a block there. I think he is a 12-team league sort of a player. On to the Clippers, Milos Tiedosic, that plantar fascia injury flared up again. He was looking good. 16 minutes, 13 points, four triples, four assists, but he's going to miss at least the next two games, and uh, that's dropity drop, 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 drop. Ty Wallace made his return to the lineup after a stint in the G League Wilderness. Only played 13 minutes when he's getting 13. Wes Johnson plays 23, and Sandarius Thorwell plays 16. I think that's a real blight on Doc's coaching, and Doc's been very, very good coaching this year. I think that's poor, but with Milosh out, I reckon there's a real chance that Ty starts tomorrow or at least pushes up to the 25-minute mark, so it'll be something to pay attention to anyway. Um, Rivers was shit early, but came on strong late 13 points in 35 or DeAndre 12 and 16 and Toby had 19, three and five with two steals. So some decent performances from the majority of the Clippers players. All right, let's, uh, let's go play out spotlighting. Now we're going to go to Memphis and we're going to talk about Ivan Rab, who was their second round draft choice uh one of their second round draft choices last season. A guy that legitimately was projected to be a top 10 guy after his freshman season in college, inexplicably, in my opinion, went back to college and then fell significantly because his second year in college was nowhere near as impressive as what his first year was. A lot of his flaws were exposed in that sort of a situation. But how has he been for this Grizzlies team? Well, he has battled injuries for big chunks of this season, Dealing with foot and heel injuries. Didn't play, uh, for the, he played the first game and didn't, didn't play for about the next two months after that. But it's only in, since about late January that he started getting relatively regular minutes when, uh, when some of the Grizzlies guys started getting, uh, injured and when Brandon Wright was released. He's averaging almost 12 minutes a game, four and a half points, three and a half rebounds on 59 and 77. So immediately I look at that and go, okay, there's something there. There's there's a base of something. There's good free throw shooting and there's good field goal percentage from his uh, minimal time that he's played. Now, how does that translate to what he did in college? Well, he wasn't quite as good there. 67% from the line, but still 54% from the field and a 41% three-point shooter. Yes, only on 22 attempts, but it is something to work with. And I don't think he's taken a single three uh so far in the NBA. No, he hasn't. So it's not something that's there, but perhaps there could be something coming But It's a good foundation. There's a decent free throw shooter, um, you know, having 8 to 10% increases from college to the pros in your free throw percentage is not unheard of, so perhaps he is doing that. His per 36 numbers, it's a double-double, 13.5 and 10.5, but much like when I talked about DeMontis Sabonis yesterday, the lack of defensive numbers is a real holdback for him. Only 0.6 blocks per 36 minutes and 0.9 uh, steals per 36 minutes. In college, he was uh, he was wasn't excellent there, just over one block per game and 0.6 steals per game. So we're not talking like a, a guy who you know, hasn't really found himself in position in the pros, just hasn't been there. But what about his time with the Memphis Hustle, averaging 28 minutes per game, 15 and 9 and a half and 1.7 blocks. Again, 50% shooting from three, 75 from the line. 57 from the field. So some really yeah, nice things that could be potentially translatable with a monster 23 PER in the in the G League. His advanced numbers, again, really limited sample size under 400 minutes, under 350 minutes. But there's encouragement there, a PR of 16, a true shooting of 62, a defensive box score plus minus of just negative 0.1, a win shares per 48 of above average, your box score plus minus still a negative 1.8, but that's not too bad for a rookie and only a minus 4.5 on off for a guy uh, as as limited as what we've seen. So there are some workable things here. Now, you know that I don't believe that Jermichael Green is is a great player and he's old. Yeah, Jerrell Martin Martin's shown some things, but he's he's not an elite build-your-franchise-around sort of player. The Grizzlies have an opportunity to perhaps draft a big man. Marvin Bagley, is it Jaron Jackson? Is it DeAndre Aden, Is it Mo But Whatever it is, there's an opportunity there, which could, could impact what Rab can do. But the small amounts that I've seen from him, the way we look at his statistics from this season, there, there's a little bit there. there. There's a little bit. The, the high-efficiency, decent rebounding, maybe stretch to three-point sort of a player with that block upside that potentially could come from what we've seen in the G League. Again, that's a limited sample size, but it's something where you go, okay, maybe something's happening. That's 500 minutes in the G League and he's got 1.7 blocks per game. So there's a little bit of something for us to look at there with Rab. I don't think we're ever looking at him as a top 40 guy, but again, two years ago, this was a top 10 player in a projected top 10 draft pick and then fell as far as he did this year to go pick 35, a high second round pick. Shown a few flashes, had a few okay games, a 10 and 6 game against the Nets. We know big men do well there. A double double against the Hawks, 10 and 11, another, another game where big men do well, uh, against the Suns, 10 and 7, 12 and 3 against the Clippers. Some decent performances there. Also a couple of games with some okay assist totals, a four assist game, a three assist game, which in limited minutes, is something to, to pay attention to. So you love the start with the efficiency. There's a little bit to maybe hope for with the blocks. And perhaps that three point shooting can develop in the next, I wouldn't say next year, but maybe by the fourth year of his career, he could start, you know, attempting one and a half to two per game. That's a possibility. So he's a name in your very, very deep dynasty leagues that you go, yeah, pedigrees are right. Um, flashes, opportunity, maybe. But yeah, I wouldn't be ever penciling him in as a top 50, or probably even as ever being a top 100 guy. But there is a, there is a little bit there from Ivan Rabb. Definitely been more impressed with him now than what uh, than what I was from his second season in college at Cal last year. Just showing a little bit bit of stuff where you go, oh, maybe I can see why he was you know, so highly uh, regarded after that freshman season. Let's uh let's go into the DFS portion of the show now. We will go to the perfect DFS lineups on Fangio, Pat Mills, thirty point six, and Lillard had seventy two point eight. Eric Gordon as a shooting guard, thirty six point seven, along with Jace Terry who had twenty seven point four. Small forwards, a couple of rockets: PJ Tucker, thirty two point six, and Trevor Ariza, forty six point two. Jim Johnson, forty six point three, and Tone Davis, seventy eight point eight. While Nikola Jokic was your center at 66.2 for a total of 437.6 and that cost $59,300. On DraftKings, Terry had 24.5, Brinny Forbes 25.25, what a point guard shooting guard combo. Trevor Ariza 43.5 and Jimmy Johnson had 42.75, Jokic 68.5, Lillard 70.75, Tone Davis 75 and Nene. for a total of 379.5 and that cost $49,800 dues. All right, we're going to move in and preview these eight games for DFS across the NBA for Wednesday. We're going to start in Philadelphia with the Philadelphia 76ers and they're taking on uh, they're taking on the New York Knickerbockers. The Sixers are favoured by twelve and a half, pretty significant uh, spread there, and a total of two hundred and twenty-one point five. In the Knicks, if you go into Basketball Monster our know, DFS projections, they have fourteen individual what-if scenarios because Damian Dotson, the cock monster, Manny Mudiay, and Courtney Lee are all listed as questionable. So there are many different ways that this can go. The guys that you know you look at if. if O'Quinn is out, then Cantor's minutes go up, Beasley's minutes go up. If you're looking at Moody out, then you should be all about Trey Burke, and I would give another go to Frankie Nilakina, especially if you get a Moody A Lee absence, and both, uh, Burke and Nilakina, hopefully they'd start together, you would get, uh, you know, 30 plus minutes out of both of those guys, and, uh, and a real opportunity. But at this point, we just don't know what that status is going to be. At point guard, 6,300 for Trey. He had 62 last game probably unrealistic to expect him to do that, especially when Ben Simmons has got his hand up his ass the entire game. But still at 6,300, there is a little bit there. I'm not falling over myself to roster him unless we get Moutier absence and even more so if we get the Moutier Lee absence, then he would become more into focus as a cash play. Uh, Timothy John McConnell's minimum salary. I have nothing you want to do with that. While Markel Fultz, is at 4,500 because he had 26 points last game. Now, I don't believe that he'll get 8 assists in 14 minutes again, nor do I believe he'll maintain a 40% usage. So I think at a thousand dollar price bump, it should take him out of at least your thought process, but the game's a good matchup. Really good against the Knicks. Tournament, perhaps, but can he, how much better can he be? than what he was in his first game. That's the big question you have to ask because if he gets 26 points at 4,500, yeah, it's a marginal win, but it's not huge. It's not winning you a tournament. So probably not. Redick, Balanelli, no. Timmy Hardaway, 6,300. I'm okay with Hardaway here. The minutes should be up and they've got a chance to be really up if Lee and Moutier are out. So this you can use him, especially for tournaments. While you know, Courtney Lee, perhaps they run him big minutes. He's a minimum salary guy. He's been doing very, very little though. But if there's a situation where Moutier is out, then maybe, but yeah, still probably not. At small forward, Bob Cubs at 6,000. Really playing well. 30-point average over his last five Still don't feel completely locked in on him as a cash guy, and I don't think that you should either, but the matchup's a nice one. While Mickey Beasley at 6,500, Cox out. I'm all about Beasley here for cash, but if Cox in, it's a little bit tougher to use him, but his numbers have been relatively impressive lately. At Power Forward, Sharich at 6,300. I do like Sharich here. I like the matchup for him. Uh, I like his ability to get to 30 plus points. I wouldn't say he's a, a first guy that you write down into a cash lineup, but I think he can be used. While Benny Simmons is at 9,800. I worry about the blowout factor here. The Sixers have been putting the foot on people's throats pretty consistently. So I do worry about that when I have to spend almost 10 grand on uh, Simo. Um, Lucky Cornette at 3,600, also in tournament guy if Cock is out. The process, Joel Embiid, 10,200. Just copy and paste what I said for Simmons there, that you, you really can't trust it in cash given the blowout nature, but there is clear upside there. But I, I wouldn't want to be any, have any investment in cash while Kylo Quinn at 5,000 seems a little bit too high. Even before his injury, he was playing 15 minutes a night while Cantor. If Cock is out, he's at 6,600, and I just, I don't like it. It's just too high. It's too high of a salary, despite how consistently well he's been playing. I just don't see really the upside in him in that sort of a scenario. All right, let's go to the uh, to the next game. Also, oh, let's go to DraftKings first. Uh, I like Embiid at 9-4, Charich at 6-2, and Trey Burke at 58. Still an element of risk with Embiid, but at that lower price, you feel a bit more confident in it. Simmons. Um, is still at 9,300, probably going to be uh, GPP or stay away type territory. And Timmy Hardaway, I think he's a little bit overpriced, to be honest. Uh, Beasley at 59 also has some value, and I would consider him if the uh, injuries fall the way that would uh, improve his value. Let's go on to the next game. It's the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Charlotte Hornets. The... Uh, we need to check the status of Kevin Love, obviously, with that concussion. I don't think that Kyle Corver is going to play. If Love is out, then we're looking a lot more closely at Jeff Green. My name is Jeff. And Laz Nance as well, who uh, comes into focus there. Nick Batum should hopefully play more minutes this game than he did last game as well. At point guard, Kemba's at 8,600. Kemba is just putting up numbers pretty much every game. The Cavs have been improved against point guards recently, but still not excellent. I think, though, at 86 for Kemba, it's probably just a little bit too high with other better options around. Georgie Hill and Jose Calderon. Hill at 5,500 has been playing decently but I wouldn't say he's been playing brilliantly, even though he's had a fair string of 30-point games apart from today. Really just a, a GPP sort of a guy. Clarko's at 45. You want nothing to do with that apart from tournaments, and even then, I reckon he can do better. Well, Nicky Batum at 65. I actually like Batum here. I think he could be an under-owned tournament guy. Again, I wouldn't really lock him into cash, but I do think that there's something there. Well, Rocket Rodney Hood and Jez Lamb, Malik Monk, uh, the plumber J.R. Smith. No, 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 no. At small forward, Kid Gilchrist, no way. LeBron, 12500 LeBron James. Um, Look, LeBron's killing it. He's averaging 65 over the last five. He averages 64 against the Hornets. It's hard to bet against him, but that is a big salary. So I'd probably want to use that more in tournaments. I'm not 100% convinced that I would use it for cash games. Power forwards, Lovey is at 8,100. There's uncertainty, so really hard to use him. But we should find out before lock, so that's good news there. Marv Williams, Frank the Tank, uh Larry Nance at 55, or Jeff Green at 41. Oh, I could consider Nance or Green. I just hate that price for Nancy. But if Lovey's out, tournament. But if Lovey's out, uh, I think Green at 4,100 becomes more appealing, despite... How really bad he was today. At center, Bill Hernan Gomez, Cody Zeller is out 4,100 for Bill. He is averaging 24 over the last five. He's consistently putting up numbers. I don't hate him as a low-end cash play. I also don't love it, but I, but I don't dislike it. Well, Dwight at 8,700 Howard. Um, I think that's probably a little bit too high for Dwight. I don't see the value proposition in it. Let's, uh, let's flick it across to, uh, to DraftKings now. I like LeBron heaps over there, eleven thousand six hundred, real value. Or Kevin Love, again, the same sort of concerns. No one else really standing out. Although Larry Nance's price at five thousand, if Love is out, is super appealing, way more appealing than what it, what it is over on FanDuel. And uh, Bill Hernan Gomez at thirty eight, you could also use him in that same sort of way that I mentioned uh, on uh, on FanDuel. Let's go on to the next game. Now we're talking Brooklyn Nets. We're talking Orlando Magic. The Nets are favored by one and a half and the total is 216 points. This is a great matchup for point guards on both sides. Shelvin Mack is at 4,900. He's getting minutes. Uh, we've got, so John Simmons, Evan Fournier, John Isaac all out. I think, uh, Simmons and Isaac are both doubtful, but they're, they're not going to play. So Mack's been getting consistent minutes and relatively consistent production. So I don't hate using him for cash, it, given especially how good this matchup is. You say the same for DJ Augustine, but his price at 6,300 is maybe pushing it a little bit on the high side. But again, the matchup would be an encouraging sign if you wanted to lock him in in a cash lineup. I, I don't think that it's the worst thing in the world. Spencer Dinwiddie's at 54. Great matchup for Spence. But the minutes, they just aren't there. So if you're going to use him, I would restrict it to tournaments only. We're shooting guards. D'Angelo Russell, 7,200. Really disappointing last game, but clear 40-point upside. Clearly a good matchup. So I, I think he is worth looking at here. Levert. Aaron Aflalo eh. Levert at 5,700. I think that's too high. This is not, not enough upside ability there. That's a word that I made up. Mario Hezonia, 5,600. That's a big, big jump after he dropped 45 last game. He'd been pretty piss poor up until that last game, so I don't think you can jump back on the bandwagon that quickly while well, Damari Carroll at 56. I'd feel much more comfortable using Damari at 56 than I would with Hezonia, especially for cash. Maybe Hezonia is a tournament upside sort of guy, but uh, that's about it. The blue swimmer, a Awundu. Dante Cunningham, jumping Joe Harris. Well, Joe Harris went off last game. Always worth a tournament look considering how he can hit his shots. But of course, I don't think there's much reliability for cash. At Powerfort, As Gordon at 8,000. Excellent opposition for him here. He's going to get as much opportunity as he can. Absolutely no issue with using Aaron Gordon, cash or tournaments. Bismack's at 36. I'll probably leave that one alone. While Rondé Hollis-Jefferson's at 7,200. Love Rondé here. Hate the price. Hate it. So I think that's a fade, but I do like his ability to go out and play well. Love Vooch. I know Vooch is at 8,700, but if I've banged a drum as hard as anything this year, it's been centers against the Nets. Now, it's not going to work every time. Nothing works every time. But the amount of times that it's worked, you should go, yeah, if you're doing it consistently, especially with a center who's going to have opportunities to to get 40 pretty much in his sleep like Vooch can, it seems like it's a fair, not a no-brainer, but it's a pretty good option. Jarrett Allen at 5,000. Just not sure there's enough upward mo- mobility or uh, upside ability is, I think, the word that I said before. On, uh, on the old DraftKings. Vooch and, and D'Angelo Russell, really strong cash guys there. I think Azza Gordon at 83, that's obviously a big chunk more than on Fanjil, and that takes away a fair degree of the value, but still, given the opposition, given the ease of matchup for Azza, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the wrong decision to use him. I like Hazonia, Levert, and Augustine as tournament guys. In fact, DJ is probably a real strong cash guy at that $5,700 price tag against this, Nets outfit. Let's go on to the next game. It's the Atlanta Hawks. It's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Can Tibbs play his players 48 minutes in order to get a win over a tanking team? That's the question that's on everyone's lips. We will see. Johnny Collins, the Baptist, is listed as probable, while Dennis Schroeder is out with an ankle issue. Derek Rose is doubtful as well, while Cole Aldrich is questionable, and I've never seen two injuries matter less than those two. At point guard, Isaiah Taylor's at three thousand six hundred. Now this is the foundation of your cash lineups, and you probably should use it in all tournaments as well. He had thirty-three points last game in thirty-two minutes, and Fangio dropped his price by three hundred bucks. You should sit on this, and you should be the first name that you write into your lineup, Isaiah Taylor. Let's go, as no brainerish as it comes until Budenholzer completely dicks me over. Jeff Teague at seventy-six hundred. My name is Jeff. Um, forty-two last game. Have been impressed with the way that he's played without Jim Butler. Super impressive matchup here. Has not done well against his former team, but this is a shit version of his former team that gives point guards big, big numbers. So I think Teague should absolutely be in play here. Well, Tyler Dorsey, another point guard uh, player on uh, on Fangio at 3,600. He played 29 minutes last game. I don't think we should be expecting DeAndre Bembry to play. Actually, uh, Bembry is out already. So some minutes appearing there, uh, it could be him, it could be Damo Lee, so that makes uh, that makes Dorsey a GPP guy, but yeah, at almost minimum salary, there's something there. Damo Lee's at 3,700, again, similarly, you can put him into a tournament if you so choose. Andy Wiggins is at 7,000, not a massive Wigo fan, but I think you're getting 33 out of him almost every time that he's out there, which is great, great cash flow in this current environment. And he does have upside if he occasionally pulls his finger out. So I do like Wigo for cash and tournaments. And again, Tibbs is going to sit these blokes. Even if they're up 75 points with two minutes left, he will grind their souls into dust. Nemanja Bielica at 5,600 just inexplicably just doesn't play anymore. So I don't really know what he does play, but I don't know why that's happening. Tournaments only for Bielica at the $5,600 mark. Really, you know, 40-point upside is excellent, but... He's averaging 18 over his last five, so clearly nowhere near that. The artist formerly known as Torian Prince is at 7,500, and I think that might be just a little bit too high for formerly there. Love what he's been doing. I, I have zero faith that he can continue at that sort of a level. The Power Forward's The Baptist, 5,800. I'm in on him here. I think he gets 30, assuming the ankle's fine. Um Yeah, I'm in. I'm fine with it. Well, Taj at 5,700. Totally in on that in cash as well. He's coming off a real monster last game and he could have a, an opportunity for a big one against a Hawks team that allows big men to go off very, relatively regularly. At center, Townsie, 10-8. Let's go. Let's get our 50. Let's get 55. Shit, let's get 60. Massive opportunity for him. While the Moose, Mike Muscala at 4,100. A really solid cash center. Get your 23, 24 in 27 minutes. And build a lineup around that. You could have a Muscala Taylor lineup. You lock yourself in at six to seven x out of those two guys, and spend eight thousand dollars for two positions, enabling you to get your Lebrons in, to get your um, to get your Yarni or not Yarni, uh, to get your uh, Embeds in, players uh, along those lines. Um, yeah, there's not much else to talk about with this game. Let's flip it to the DraftKings side of things. Um. For tournaments, formerly, and Tyler Dorsey are both GPP guys, whereas Cash, I think there's a bunch of players. The Baptist, Isaiah Taylor, smash him. Wigo at 68, Jeff Teague at 7,000, and Townsie at 9,500, everything following a similar pattern to how it looks over on Fangio uh, with the DraftKings pricing there, and the value. The next game, the Portland Trailblazers and the Memphis Grizzlies. Tyreek Evans is not with the team for personal reasons still. Well, Dennis Schroeder is also not with the team for personal reasons, but his is an explainable one. Uh, maybe Tyreek's is as well. Don't want to, you know, cast aspersions on, on him. Maybe there is a, a death in the family or something like that, but we're not, we're not aware. We haven't been made aware of anything like that. Of course, Mo Harkless will be out for Portland as well. Ivan Rab, the man we just uh, profiled earlier, he's doubtful again with his heel issue while Andy Harrison is questionable. Now, if he is out, Then some real weird shit can go down. Is it Mario Chalmers? Is it Kobe Simmons? Is it Marcus Teague? He Yes, he plays for this team. So there's going to have to be someone that steps up there. So maybe some value appears from a guy like Simo, or do they just completely go rogue and uh, and throw Teague in there, who, again, was one of the worst players in the NBA when he played. But I talked about locking Isaiah Taylor in. You can lock Shabazz and in as well. Minimum salary player. He's had a 46-point game this year when he replaced Dame Lillard earlier in the year. Lock it in. It is a straight. Don't overthink it. It is bang. You can get seven thousand one hundred for your two point guard spots on FanGil and potentially get seven or eight x out of that spot. And with a guy like Lillard not playing, who would be your high price point guard option? Alonzo you know, Ball's another high price guy there, but yeah, Kemba Walker getting two players there for the value of what Kemba for less than the value of what Kemba costs. Gives you real opportunities to to load up in other areas. So that's uh that's and yeah, Townsie, Wigo, Simo, uh, Joel, all these sort of guys. Lots of options that you've got there. Other point guards, Andy Harrison's at fifty five. I'd be okay with that if he happens to play, but we don't know that. And then of course you're opening up the Mario charm as Marcus T, Kobe Simmons, Pandora box at shooting guard. McCollum's at seventy eight hundred. He was pretty good when uh, Lillard was out. He wasn't as impressive as what Napier was, but. Yeah, obviously wasn't all that good today. At 7,800, I think you should have a level of confidence in him with cash. While, uh, Wayne Selden's Seldon's at 4,400. Seldo is putting up some big games. It's coming on unsustainable shooting, so there is a risk of the ass falling out completely, especially against a team that defends guards as well as they do in the Blazers. Seldo would be a GPP guy, not a, not a tournament player to me. Small forwards, Evan Turner's at 3,600. More playmaking goes his way, more usage, more bad three-point shooting. But at 3,600, a ton of value opening up. I think we're going to see some pretty big scores on Fangio tomorrow. And yeah, around that Napier, Taylor, Turner sort of value, there's just tons of guys who should be exceeding there. Now they could all shit the bed and probably having all three in your lineup's not going to be the most ideal thing, but there's a lot of value floating around. Dylan Brooksie Brooks is down to 3,700 because he dropped five points in the last game. He is averaging 12 over the last five and is doing a big pile of nothing, so you should leave him out of it. Same with Chandler Parsons. At power forward, Jarrell Martins at 4,600, probably going to start at small forward. I think he's a GPP guy. I like the cheap price, but I'm not confident there in cash. Well, Michael Green at 6,100 gets big rebound numbers, but it doesn't translate into elite DFS production, and at 6,100 there are better ways to spend that sort of a cash. The Chief. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it be shit. Al Farouk 6,500. He is averaging 39 over the last five. I'm almost going to say it, I think he might be close to cash. He's got the ability to go out and break your heart, but he's been relatively consistent, and I think with Lillard absence that you might see a little bit go his way. Now, could go the other way, and he can completely just forget how to make any sort of shots. But uh I think the Chief is uh, is worth looking at here. At center, Nurkic, 6,900, really cranking out some big ones lately. Happy to go with him. The Gasol factor is is a factor, but Nurk is playing well. While Mark Gasol had 55 against the Wolves, but at 8,200, the element of risk in playing Gasol at that price compared to the level of return, I don't think it makes much sense to go with him. While Zachy Collins and Deontay Davis are probably two guys that you don't really need to use. On to the uh, DraftKings side of things. Nurks at 64. That's more tournamenty, but if you use it in cash, fine. Well, then you've got Shabazz Napier and Evan Turner. Still really supreme value. There's a lot of value in this game. Gasol, McCollum, they also look a lot better over on DraftKings. Andy Harrison, yeah, maybe not, but it's still the, the risk there. And the Chief at 6,100, who has been, of course, playing quite well. Let's uh let's go now on to the next game. We've got the Boston Celtics. We've got the Utah Jazz. The Jazz are favored by six and a half. The total is a paltry 195 points. Marcus Morris unlikely to play in this game with his ankle injury. At point guard, ravishing Rick Rubio, 7,300. I don't think that that's necessarily with such a low total, good defense from Boston. I don't think that's a great spot to use the ravishing one. While Terry Rozier at 7,300, the same thing low pace good defense at that sort of price for Rosier. you've got cheap point guards falling out of your asses I would go with one of those guys as opposed to spending up on a risky proposition as uh as Tito three sticks is Dante Exam and Shane Lark and minimum salary players who have opportunities Larko maybe is a GPP guy but I'm not great I'm not feeling great with it the Don 7900 Don Mitchell lower score in his last 5 37 that is a rock solid floor Yes, low total. Yes, good defense, but I'm okay with going with the Don. In this one, I feel like he breaks through that. While Jalen Brown at 5,500. Not sure he's at full speed yet. Shit match up. Fade City. Small forward. Jingle and Joe Ingles. 7,400 for Jingle averaging 34 over his last five. Maybe there are better ways out there. I think they filling up your small forward spot. While Jace Tatum at 6,600. I'd rather Ingles than Tatum, to be honest. Although... With Marcus Morris out, a little bit of extra usage goes Jace's way, and that could easily turn into a 40-pointer. So he's an, a tournament sort of a guy. Power forward, Derek Favors at 5,700. Has been pretty okay lately, even in last game where he struggled a bit. Still put up 24 in 24 minutes, which is not far off the mark. It's not ideal, but it's not far off the mark. I think they're better, definitely better GPP guys and better cash guys. Jay Crowder, 4,700. He's fallen off a little bit recently also. At center, Gregie Munro. As Greg runs in, we realise this could get dangerous. He's at 4,800. You should pass on that. Aaron Baines at minimum salary is also not happening. While Rudy Gobert at 8,900 for Gobert. Al Horford is a very good defender and he limits opposition centres. So I think that's a fade. And then you say the flip side about uh, Horford. Rudy Gobert is a very good center, and he has the ability to limit opposition centers as well. But Horford's coming off two strong games. If I'm going to use one of these guys, it's probably Horf on a $900, $1,900 saving. But again, if I've saved so much money in my point guards, maybe I've got that extra money. Maybe I throw it on Gobert. I'd rather try and get up to Towns, and that's the idea of having these $3,600, $3,500 point guards. But Horford on a money to value proposition. I could see an argument for him being a better bet than Gobert in this, uh, in this situation. Over on DraftKings, the Don at 7,500, Gobert at 77. That's a really, really strong price for Gobert, so I could understand uh, using that and and getting some value. I think Ravishing Rick at 66 looks a little bit nicer on DraftKings too, but overall, the low total in this game is definitely not one that you want to be really going at and stacking, unless you believe in overtime, which is a possibility, although the Jazz are favored by 6.5. The Clippers and the Suns. Milos Tiedosic uh, won't play in this game, Devin Booker, TJ Warren are both doubtful while Alex Len is questionable. If Len is out, then Marquise Chris, if he stays on the court, get extra run when big source Alan Williams could push to 20 or 22 minutes in his second game back from his meniscus surgery. So that's something to watch. Point guard, Austin Rivers, 5,800. Great, great matchup for Austin. Yeah, a little bit disappointing today, but came through in the end. Getting 30 out of Austin Rivers feels like it's, you know, what's going to happen. While with uh, Booker and Warren out or likely out, Euless at 4,000. Tyler Euless, he's putting up numbers. I think he's more of a tournament guy than a cash guy, so I don't have full faith in him, but he's a guy that had been struggling quite a bit early this season. Speaking of struggling, Lord Alfred Payton is averaging 18 points over the last five. He had eight in the last game. There was one really nice one mixed in there where he had 43, and at 5,200, you cannot use him in cash. Don't care that Booker's out. That hasn't meant anything, really. Uh, he does have some tournament appeal, maybe. But yeah, I'll I'll go a different way. I don't know who they're going to start for Milosh, but Ty Wallace at minimum salary is a guy that can put up 30 pretty comfortably. So I would be looking at him as a tournament guy, but we can readjust that depending on what we see earlier in the day. While Troy Daniels, the man that hits threes, well, that's all he does really. It doesn't lead to excellent DFS nights. Last game, he had six triples and 18 points, but does so little else that he only put up 24 fan points, which at 4,100, it's fine but it's far from a massive, massive DFS GPP win or anything like that. There might be some cash value in it though. Devon Reed, Shaq Harrison, no thanks. Small forward, Joshie Jackson, let's go. 7,500 for Joshy. no Booker, no Warren. Big minutes for Josh, big usage for Josh. He's gonna fill it up. Love him here, really, really strong option. Well, Wes Johnson, yeah, I can't say I'm happy with that. At power forward, Toby Harris at 7,500, a great opportunity for him to just go bananas in this one. And Marquise Chris at 47. There's GPP upside, and you'd feel stronger about it if Alex Len is out. He's been playing much better. In fact, averaging 25 over his last five. But a brain fart is always around the corner, or so it seems. Dragon Bender's at 4,300, just no, no interest for him in fantasy. While the table, Montrez Harrell, I think is too highly priced at 4,800. For the centers, DeAndre's at 7,900. Centers do play well against Phoenix, although DeAndre himself hasn't done well in their last few matchups. But I think that he is worthy worthy of a look. While Big Sauce at 3,800, can double-double, can get your 24 here, especially if Alex Len is out. Lenny at 45. If he plays, I think he would be worthy of a GPP look. But even then, not, uh, not an overly long look. On DraftKings, Joshie Jackson, Toby Harris, very, very good cash plays, whereas Big Source and uh, the list manager, Ty Wallace, especially Wallace at minimum salary. They are absolutely in play. And if we hear that Ty Wallace is starting early in the day, which we probably won't, then he'd be cash. Otherwise, he's a nice tournament guy to look at here. Let's go through now to the last game of the night. It's the Dallas Mavs. It's the Los Angeles Lakers, also known as the game that Julius Randall always marks in his calendar for whatever reason that is. We should get Dorian Finney-Smith back. We should get Dwight Powell back. We should get Nerlens Noel back. Kyle Kuzma, the man playing 58 minutes a night, is probable with that sprained right ankle. Who would have thought? While uh, Brookie Lopez is probable with his back tightness. Brando Ingram also questionable, but if he is out, then the the minutes, they just will pile on top of Kyle Kuzma's head. At point guard, Dennis Smith, 7,500. Can Will the Lakers be bad enough that they have to pull Smith? That's a risk. Um... At 7,500, there's something there, but it's not the best player of the day. Well, Lonzo's at 8,600. Now, I know Dennis Smith's defense is bad, but 8,600 is an exorbitant price for Lonzo. But in saying that, he bested it last game with 45. So there is something there for Lonzo. We know his ability to put up numbers everywhere. At 8,000, I'd probably say, yeah, I'm okay with it. At 86, it might just be a smidge too high. KCP's at 6,300. I think it really does revolve around if Ingram is out, then I'd be okay with that in cash. Otherwise, I think there are better ways to spend it. Uh, Kyle Collinsworth, 3,600 for Colo. I think he's, uh, nah, <laughs> I'd never know why I was gonna go there. No. The pencil, 6,500. Cash value, fine. Good matchup for him. while well, Ingram at 6,000. Coming back off the injury. Last time he came off the injury with a minutes restriction, I think he played 36 minutes. Luke Walton again, excelling in man management. Um, I don't think I'd be ready to use him, but 6,000 is a very, very nice price. So I could, I could play him in a tournament and, and be okay with it there. Benny Smith and McDirt, no thanks. At power four, Julius Randle, 8,500. He averages 41 against the Mavericks, crushes them on a regular basis. You're almost going to get 33 out of him without him even trying, probably even 40. So I do like using Julius Randle in this matchup. Dirk, back-to-back, minutes low. Kuzma at 7,000. If, Kuz, if Ingram's out, then I think Kuzma's a play. If Ingram's in, I think it's hard to use him at that price. Travis Ware, nah. At centre, Nerland's 5,900. That is very high for Noel, but this guy's averaging 37 over his last three, even in limited minutes. But I think that that price takes away a lot of his upside and obviously eliminates the floor pretty significantly. Centre, Brook Lopez, 6,900. I think that's too expensive, even though he exceeded it last game. Uh, Zubats and Channing Fry probably don't really care about them too much. On DraftKings, Smitty and Ingram are both tournament guys. Ingram at 57, if he plays, that's a really nice price. And Julius Randle at 81 is a a cash guy. I think Lonzo's more in play on DraftKings at $8,000 with a positive defensive matchup and the likelihood of them playing him big minutes, especially since Isaiah Thomas is out. I don't think I've said this on the podcast, but I don't think that Isaiah Thomas plays again this season. And I think that he was absolutely stupid not to get hip surgery. I said it at the time, I had the same injury as him. Him thinking he's going to take four months off and rehab it it doesn't work. And it doesn't work. He's now gone to New York for a second opinion on his hip and he's going to have to have surgery. I... I Actually, let's, let's try again. I don't know that he's going to have to have surgery, but I think he's going to have to have surgery. Heading into his free agency, it's... And he looks he's looked shit this year. The hip is bothering him. I don't think he'll ever get over it. It's a... It sounds like a bullshit injury, but it is a pain in the ass and it affects so much about your body. And... I think it was a poor, poor decision for him not to have that surgery. Just, just bananas. And it's cost himself a lot, a lot of money. And, uh, and actually cost him a lot of reputation as well, which is, uh, which is weird. Let's move on to, uh, the other sites now before we wrap this podcast up. Let's look over on Yahoo for tournaments. We're looking at Gasol, Marcus Gasol, Dwight Howard, Dennis Smith, Gerald Martin, Marquise Chris, Tyler Dorsey, Tyler Eulis, Alan Williams, Tie the list manager Wallace and for cash guys Troy Daniels Georgie Hill Muscala Jamal Crawford The Blue Swimmer Geordie Clarkson Jarrett Allen Shelvin Mack Yogi Ferrell Evan Turner Shabazz Napier Trey Burke Isaiah Taylor DJ Augustine Joshy Jackson Nick Vucevic, Embiid and Townsy Moneyball for Tournaments Embiid Josh Jackson As Gordon Lou Williams um Tyler Dorsey and Tyler Eulis again. And for cash, we're looking at Big source: Alan Williams, Evan Turner, Hazonia, Napier, Trey Burke, Isaiah Taylor, Taj Gibson, Austin Rivers, DJ Augustin, Brooke Lopez, D'Angelo, Rondé, Wigo, Nurk, Jeff Teague, McCullum, Toby Harris, Julius Randle, Vooch, and Townsy, And on draft stars for tournaments, Embiid, Gasol, McCullum, Johnny Collins, Mario Hazonia, Jamal Crawford, Tyler, Dorsey, and for cash, we're looking at Big Source, Mike Muscala, Shelvin Mack, Evan Turner, Napier, Isaiah Taylor, Trey Burke, Augustine Hollis-Jefferson, Wigo, D'Angelo, Jeff Teague, Josh Jackson, Nick Vucevic, and Carl Anthony Towns. If you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, go leave a five-star rating, leave a review, and you can also subscribe on Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube, where you can leave a thumbs up, leave a comment below the video as well. Check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network, LockedOnSports.com or LockedOnNBA.net on Twitter, and check out our baseball podcasts, which are starting to come out. I think There's about eight teams we've got covered so far, and we'll get the rest of those covered over the course of the next couple of weeks. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Joe Ingalls.